Mother's Day is less than a week away. So we're dedicating this episode of Uniquely Milwaukee to all the mothers. Whether that applies to you or someone you love, we're taking this episode to honor the sacrifices mothers made during their pregnancies, whether those pregnancies were years ago or during the pandemic. And for those who navigated pregnancy during the pandemic, we recognize you. The extremely unusual circumstances you found yourselves in on the path to welcoming a baby into the world. Mothers and parents, if you adopted or went without, you navigated a different kind of solution, often alone or without your partner, and all during a global pandemic. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. Here in Milwaukee, and Jamie Russell Kamara decided to move back to Milwaukee after living all over around the country. I've been moving all around the country, and within the past couple of years, with the start of the pandemic, um, my husband and I moved back to Milwaukee, and we decided to get pregnant during that time. The only thing is, and Jamie didn't anticipate for the pandemic to hit. During my pregnancy, there was a lot going on in the lockdown. And I was very ill during that time with just morning sickness. And so that combined with not going anywhere, and it was the winter time, and so all windows were closed. So everything was exacerbated in terms of the smells and whatnot. She was feeling isolated. And on one common day, like so many she had had during lockdown, she spoke to another pregnant mom. Little did she know, this conversation would spark a passion project. You ever see those TikTok and Instagram videos where like pandemic babies are so advanced for being babies? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I see them, but I don't know. I've, I don't have any friends who have kids. I was the first one in my family to have kids. I have no one to compare to. Right. And... Um, I said, okay, yeah, I've seen the videos. And she goes, the reason why pandemic babies are so advanced is because their mothers got to work from home and were less stressed. And I thought, huh, that kind of stopped me. And it stuck with me because I thought I did get to work from home, but I was certainly not less stressed, especially depending on when in the pandemic. And so when I was pregnant, there was no vaccine in sight. Mm -hmm. And so everything was so uncertain. And so I started the Pandemic Pregnancy Project to really document what did people actually go through? Were people less stressed? Who got to work from home? And really leave it up to the listener, you know, whether or not you think someone was less stressed or not. But eventually it became, um, that doesn't even matter. Everyone's experience is valid, even though everyone's experience is different. And this really is just, it really became purely an archiving of what people went through and how the pandemic really influenced or affected someone's birth or pregnancy journey. One of my best friends had a pandemic baby, and I remember she felt incredibly alone during that process. She had, her and her husband, they had each other, but like beyond uh, the support of like, you know, it takes, it takes a village Things are better now. You know, the restrictions have been lifted and she interacts with family and friends. 
So it's really interesting that your friend said it's stress-free. That's not really the interpretation that I that I got because in my mind, you know, being isolated would add to my anxiety. But, you know, when you were reaching out to those women, did you start off by sharing your story or were you inspired to share along the way? Interesting you say that. No one's asked me that before. And I did not share my story with anyone at first. Mm. Um, I really just made a case for why we're archiving the stories. And I reached out to a bunch of media outlets here in Milwaukee who helped spread the word. And then people contacted the project to share Mm. their story. And it was through these long form interviews with individuals that I revealed my story with people. And one of the things that we really um, thrive on is authentic connection. Mm -hmm. And so me revealing my story with people during our long form interviews was a part of that authentic connection. And that just organically came to be the way it came to be. I love that because that's how sometimes I feel like I work like when you're having, like you said, a long in-depth conversation, there are moments when you feel like you need to share and it's like a beautiful, like closed space of intimacy, which is great, a great perspective to have. And I feel like mothers, there's like this immense pressure to get it right and, you know, do it a certain way, you know, like following, just following this invisible rule book. So I appreciate the real, raw, and you know, different perspectives this project gives. I also want to acknowledge that I don't know. In, yes, we did conduct long-form interviews, and I think for the most part, everyone identifies as mom and identifies mm. as she, her, hers. But I don't want to be one hundred percent correct right, on of that. Course. Um, also, with the different differenting stories. They are also from all over the U.S. The Mm -hmm. bulk of them are from Milwaukee and then from Madison area, which also adds to the diversity because Mm -hmm. there's some stories that talk about going to Texas, Corpus Corpus Christi, Texas and risking a hurricane. And some people talking about, you know, being inside, but there's beautiful weather in California. So I wanted to know, why did you decide to keep this anonymous and have uh, people read the stories rather than having the the parents come forward and share their stories? Firsthand? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are three things that me and the rest of the team kind of has a, has a, a little mantra, I guess, or just values. And it was authentic connection bravery and freedom Mm -hmm. and I found that through allowing people to be anonymous that they could be more brave and more free in telling their story and as a follow-up I had you know everyone signed a waiver saying that they would be anonymous but also I said that in the event you do not want to be anonymous please let me know and majority of people decided to stay anonymous so that added to that I that ability to be free A sense with parenthood, and again, I'm not a a mother or a parent, so it's from the outside perspective, but it's it's like the critics are incredibly harsh, and I feel like people don't really talk about maybe postpartum depression as much, so I feel like this project really opens the gateway to be truthful about things when, although motherhood and parenthood is incredibly beautiful and amazing, that sometimes there are these really significant uh, sides to it, so... Mm -hmm. Have you felt in your own unraveling of this project that um, just that weight has lifted about maybe being a, the perfect parent or having the perfect pregnancy and such? Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's been revealed to me that I don't think anyone has the perfect pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so when 
when someone is trying to get pregnant or trying to grow their family, trying to see what examples are out there, I think it's good for people to know that there is no perfect journey. And it doesn't matter how many times you listen to people telling you about their journey and these are the steps you should take. You need to be prepared for the spectacular or for the surprise. Mm -hmm. And some of our stories talk about that. And what did that process look like, gathering those stories? So gathering the stories, I will say this cannot happen without a team. And so we have a team of about six people who work pretty much... um, every day with us and they're made up of uh, there's a doula on the team some artists some mental health practitioners and through this network we reached out to the people that we knew Mm -hmm. just trying to grow and grow and grow and outreach to our network Um, telling sharing word of mouth that this is something happening you know this is something we're interested in and eventually we moved to reaching out to different local newspapers magazines news outlets in Milwaukee And then eventually people started coming to us and they were like, you know, I have this friend in this part of the country and I know this person. And I thought, well, let's blow this up. Let's let's go to outside Milwaukee, um, outside of Wisconsin. And so we were able to then reach out to other news outlets and we gathered stories all the way from San Francisco to um, Maryland, Washington, D.C., Texas, Maine. And these stories were like first come first serve when we talked about the project we also and within milwaukee we also reached out to community leaders we we reached out to neighborhood resident leaders as well um just talking about it and so again the stories that we got ended up being the first come first serve stories um and and in milwaukee specifically they're from all over milwaukee This collection of 20 stories that we've got is under this label called Pandemic Pregnancies and Popsicles! Mm. And the reason why it's popsicles is because every story that is shared has a twist of something sweet. And so there's this beautiful story, someone who is from Milwaukee, moved to Texas, and she talks about how she was in a relationship with someone and they'd gone through some sort of trauma that she doesn't get into but she had invited this person to go on a baby moon and she finally arrives at the ocean and there's so much like water imagery um and she gets into the water and she acknowledges how beautiful she felt that day in her body despite all of this chaos going around her and in the world that piece is called unlocking the next level Let's listen. Age 38, Texas. Unlocking the next level. I found out that I was pregnant before the pandemic started. So it's like late November, early December 2019, I think. And yeah, life was good back then. Like, it was so good. It was so carefree. We, my partner and I, had just gone on like, I can't even, it feels like a dream now. We had just gone on a trip to Europe. We'd gone to Hungary. And there's all these people there and they're all crowded in spaces in the middle of winter. (laughs) I look at it now and I'm like, what was that even like? While there, my partner and I had talked about having a kid because we'd been together for, I think at that time, five years. And yeah, we just decided to go for it because, you know, we work well together. We're in a committed relationship 
And then, yeah, two months later, I find out that I'm pregnant and was just really happy to talk to him about it. Um, so a couple months go on and we, we, had, we had come to this juncture where, unfortunately, we did experience this trauma in our relationship. And I don't really want to get into it, but that was maybe like two or three weeks before the pandemic started. So it was like this incredibly wild time because not only were we navigating that, but then two weeks later, we find out that, oh, there's COVID cases popping up in the coasts. And I was just thinking, I need to protect myself both emotionally and my physical health. And then lockdown happened and we were just forced to be where we were. Here we were figuring out this, you know, major issue in our relationship and the pregnancy and the pandemic. It felt very stifling. And I really turned inward. I have a history of anxiety and panic. And I was scared that I was going to relapse. And I was scared that we were going to get sick, that our relationship was going to fall apart, that I was going to be a single mom. In the process of sort of like trying to assuage my anxiety, I focused on really deep gratitude for my body and how strong it is and my brain for how strong it is. I thought, I have to keep myself as healthy as possible for this, you know, this baby growing inside of me. And like, I did the whole buying nail kits online and like all these oils and stuff, just like really wanting to pamper and love my body. And so in that process, I kind of turned to water as a way to sort of like refresh myself. Extra long showers, baths. I was that pregnant lady with her bikini like up in the pool every night. I'm agnostic, but like I know the phrase where if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans or whatever. God was laughing at me this entire time, but I was determined to still have the baby. I forced myself to engage my partner in a baby moon. It was risky to travel. And so we decided to drive to the ocean at Corpus Christi, which is about a three and a half hour drive south of Houston. First of all, you can drive your car out on the beach. It's weird. Like people in Texas do the beach really weird. Everybody has like their pickup truck and they like line it up on the beach and they're just like hanging out, oil slicks on the shore. And then they also have a really nice national seashore that's in the northern part of Padre Island. And at that time of the year, you'd never know whether there's going to be a hurricane or not. So I was taking a lot of risks here, a COVID risk, a risk like traveling with someone who I was not getting along with, a hurricane. We went down there and I feel emotional just thinking about it, but like I felt so beautiful that day. I felt free about myself and my body. I felt that I was unlocking the next level of adulthood in a video game. And it just made me feel like I can do anything, you know? The enormity of the ocean always blows me away. No matter how many times I visited, just like its immensity and power and, and also just how much life is, you know, underneath the surface. It was a great moment in many ways. And then, of course, I got sunburned. I think about my privilege and how many mothers and women did not have access or the ability to care for themselves in the ways that I did. And those repercussions are going to be felt for a long time. And 
I was not ever one of those people that knew I wanted to become a parent. Like I have people in my life that I've met kind of along the way and they knew that they wanted to be parents. I just had always told myself that I wanted to be stable, whatever that means. But for me, I sort of had a vague idea of what that meant. So when those ideas that I had for my life kind of, you know, unraveled in big ways, I think that you unlock these possibilities when you go through trials and tribulations. And I guess I would encourage whoever is listening to this to lean in, to lean into unlocking those next levels of adulthood for yourself, whatever that may be. After the break, we'll listen to two more stories from the Pandemic Pregnancy Project that are both very similar, but also quite different. Both look within to answer questions about beauty and our mental health. Do you remember the last time you fell down a musical rabbit hole? You heard a great song that led you to a great album, which led you to falling in love with a new artist, which introduced you to a whole new genre of music. Just like you, our DJ's curiosity for music never stops. That's why you listen to Radio Milwaukee, and it's a great reason to give. Support your home for music discovery at radiomilwaukee.org slash donate. We're back, and if you're anything like me, you're dying to hear those two remaining stories. On to our second selection, Refusal. Which talks about postpartum depression and being exacerbated by the pandemic. And this one is the mother who identifies as African and Muslim and how she refuses to suffer in silence anymore and talks about her depression. And she gets into, I mean, it is storytelling unleashed. She doesn't hold back. And I'm appreciative of her bravery and for that story. Age 35, Maryland. Refusal. I did get to work from home, but my husband didn't. So I was not less stressed. I was actually more stressed than ever in my life being home with one kid, pregnant and working from home. My daughter was a year and a half when I was pregnant, so I had to take care of her while working. Some people are lucky. And maybe some people have a village that's helping them, but that's not the case for me. I wish I would have had more help, honestly, during the pandemic and before the pandemic. I had a little with my first child, but with my second, I had no one but my husband and I. That was painful. And I never left the house because we didn't know where this virus was coming from. And with that in the back of all of this, this is what I want to share. Not enough people talk about postpartum depression, like in everyday conversation. It's taboo talk, especially as African, you know, me being African and being Muslim. When you talk about that kind of stuff, some people might judge you and say, oh, you don't have a strong face or whatever, when that has nothing to do with having a strong face. That's why it takes a village to help, to give support. I didn't even tell my mom about it because I would be judged. Actually, the only person that I shared with was my colleague who also went through it, and she was helping me to get some help. When I was pregnant, at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't want to get pregnant. I love my son to death. I love what I do for him, but we didn't plan to get pregnant again after having our daughter. My first pregnancy was so painful and giving birth was so painful. And the healing process takes so long that I vowed I will never get pregnant again, that she will be the only child because I cannot deal with this. 
I went through postpartum depression and I didn't want to experience that again in my life, ever. But we ended up getting pregnant. You know, if God says it's to be, there's nothing we can do to stop it. So for like the first three months of my pregnancy, I was stressed. It wasn't fun for me. All I was thinking about was the pain, the sleepless nights, and the long healing process. I live with, I wouldn't say regret, but disappointment in myself. I was still breastfeeding my daughter, and then I couldn't anymore, not by choice, but because it dried up. Because of the pregnancy, the pandemic, or maybe my self-induced stress, it was just uncertainty all around, not knowing what's going to happen with this virus. You don't have anywhere to go to get the answers because everybody's looking for the answers to those questions. And then worrying that my husband will bring the virus home when we are very vulnerable. So my milk dried up. It was, it, it was too much. For me, I couldn't, I, I was really hating myself for what I'd done or for what I'd put my daughter through. To see her cry so much because she wanted to breastfeed and I couldn't give her that. Oh my God, there's like so many of us out there suffering in silence. I can't because I feel like when I don't share it, I am slowly killing myself. I'm slowly moving in a way that is not acceptable and I feel like my children deserve better. They deserve to have a mom that's present in their life. A mom that's not going to be cranky or feeling down or sad. Or a mom that just yells at them and screams them down. They deserve better. Women should definitely seek out help when they're going through postpartum depression because it is a serious, serious thing. And it takes you into a dark place. Like I have some thoughts in my head that I'm scared to even open my mouth and say because that's how scary it's been for me. With both my kids being home alone, with them all the time. And the thing that saved me and them from doing anything bad to them and myself is my faith. So honestly, if I didn't have my faith, I would have been dead by now. And I would have killed my kids. That's how deep it is for me, believe me. I like to block it, but sometimes those memories come back to me. In saying this, I don't, I don't think I care if I get judged because most people will hide. They're afraid that the outside will judge them. For the first three months of my pregnancy and the pandemic, you have to be in my shoes and you have to experience what I experienced with my first child for someone to understand why I was feeling that way. I want a woman, especially African women, to relate that they're not the only ones that went through it. So I share that for other women to relate to my story and maybe, you know, find a solution to the issue. As hard as it is, I will do anything for my kids. When they come to you and call you mommy in those hard times, it makes your day. I will tell myself a lot, the sky's the limit, the future is bright. The future is bright. It may be dark now, but another day is coming and it will shine the light for the future is bright. I know the future is bright. I refuse to suffer in silence anymore. The future is bright. The series is titled Pandemic Pregnancies and Popsicles because uh, the stories end with a twist of something sweet and I can't think of anything sweeter to end that story with. I'm in awe for the bravery that it took to reveal that. Postpartum depression is incredibly taboo and oftentimes gets confused with baby blues. 
you know, mothers being tired all the time and, you know, mothers will bounce back on their feet in no time because motherhood comes natural to us. But the truth is, is that postpartum depression is a reality that many women face. And I hope this monologue helps us start a frank discussion about the quality of care and psychological support for women. If you've dealt with postpartum depression, I really hope that story helped you feel seen and reminded you that you're not alone. And if you're someone like me who knows someone who has dealt with this, show them that love and support. The best time is now. We still have one more story for you. On to our final selection for today, the new dress. And it is about the mom who buys her dress online and she's having her baby shower and how she is looking good for herself. And she's got her village. She's got her family who throws her this phenomenal baby shower. And at the end of the day, for her, it's about loving herself, loving where she's at and that buying that new dress was a part of her loving herself, but now moving into this new phase of being a mother and buying this dress that she never would have bought before the pandemic. Mother of One, Washington, D.C. The new dress. When my husband and I were trying to get pregnant, I always thought, boy, the first trimester has got to be so awkward when you're out at a function and you're trying to hide the fact that you're not drinking a glass of wine. You know, because you don't want to tell people for the first however many weeks that you're pregnant. That was an unexpected blessing of the pandemic because the first trimester, I was still working exclusively from home. I never once had to worry about any of that awkwardness. That moment when your clothes are too tight and your bump is revealed to your coworkers. And I don't know if this is too much detail, but little things like going to the bathroom. I mean, it was so nice to do it in my house. I was constantly eating. I just, you know, go into the refrigerator when I needed something to eat. I was 40 pounds over, and then I look at the pictures now, and I'm like, my lord, I still had a month left to go. Even though I was far away from a lot of my friends, many of whom I had not been able to see for two years, I still felt like there were opportunities to have a virtual sense of community. So, of course, my mom threw me a virtual shower. I was about 32 weeks, quite pregnant, like I said, 40 pounds over. And now all of my clothes did reveal my bump. And I had this dress. I never used to wear long dresses, but I got this really elegant dress online. Okay, so it was kind of a sexy dress, actually. It was just very different from what I usually wear because it had a very deep V-neck and it was long-sleeved. It was an empire waist, obviously, and it was sort of a silver color with bright purple. Well, not super bright, kind of subtle, like a deep violet with flowers. It sounds really crazy. It made me think of Camelot, like when I was looking at it, it just made me think of something that Maid Marian would have worn. And it was just really pretty and elegant and cool. And in this pretty cool and elegant dress with the empire waist, all you could do was see the waist up. <laughs> I mean, that's how Zoom works, right? Unless you move around. Of course, at some point, everybody made me stand. I could never sit still for longer than 45 minutes at a time toward the end of my pregnancy. But my dress, this was something completely different from what I would have worn pre-pandemic. I picked it up because I just thought it looked really pretty. But maybe there was a part of me that subconsciously thought, well, I'm preparing to become a new mother. I'm taking on a new role. It makes sense for me to be wearing something, you know, 
completely different from what I did before because I'm entering a new phase in my life. Yeah, I think there must have been something to it. It was funny though, when I would feel a little bit anxious, because I certainly did, I would just stop and take a deep breath and try to give myself some grace, give myself some love. And I'm still trying to do that. That dress was definitely part of that. Oh, I loved that. We should all have those moments where we indulge and buy something that feels good. We deserve to feel good. Mothers deserve to feel good about their bodies. I mean, you did that. You created a whole life. Wear that sexy dress and wear it proud. And Jamie, those stories were stories I I didn't know I needed. So thank you so much for seeking them out. But what's the best outcome you're looking for when revealing these stories to the public? Oh gosh. Um, well, one, the hope that more people will share their story. And our on our website, we're hoping to continue to archive and blog about what people went through. Mm-hmm. And really is for people, second, is to, for people to see themselves reflected somehow in these stories. Yeah. So that nobody suffers or celebrates in silence. Um, even on both ends of that spectrum, that there can be shame, shame in celebrating, mm. or shame in suffering. Yeah. I saw on your Instagram, there was, a, I, I can't remember the quote, but it's about a black and Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared that to my friend who is uh, the mom, the, group, the mom in our group. And she even revealed to me that it is kind of a taboo to even talk about certain things within mm-hmm. both of those intersectionalities. Yes. So I completely agree. I think, you know, you know, being seen or just opening that dialogue in your own space or outside is, is really important. Have you have you kept contact with the participants during this project? We have. Yeah, we well, have kept contact with them. Mm-hmm. How has been the response after, um, you know, these long-form interviews and such? Yeah. You know, I think for the most part, people are, are very grateful to have participated in the project. And they hope that they can influence someone else to be vocal and how— how they're vocal depends on how they want to speak about it, right? Whether it's speaking to their family or, you know, speaking to the Pandemic Pregnancy Project, but just real gratitude. And I would even say um, a feeling of like relief mm-hmm. from some folks. I did have a question. Has your relationship with your body changed um, post-pregnancy? It has. Do you have that new dress moment? Not necessarily buying a new dress, but like appreciating your body or seeing it in a different light. Absolutely. My body is different. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself that my body changed to give way for a human being. And there is some um, coming to know my body again. Like... I'm, I'll be shameless about this, but like my breasts changing. I mean, I don't think I felt that way since I was in the seventh grade. Like, come on, people. So it was just really exploring how my body works again and being like, whoa, haven't had this feeling in a long time or this feeling is new. Um, just having different, you know, it's what I love is having different curves in my body that I didn't have before. Again, so it's just like no learning more about myself. Right. I love that. Um, I always like hate when, which I don't, I shouldn't, but like when models, they like bounce back right away and it's just like so unrealistic that this is. Oh my gosh. So hearing uh, you talking about just like how 
your body changes and it's different. I think that it's really beautiful. I mean, I remember I saw an Instagram of Alex Morgan, the soccer player, like being a starter again for the women's soccer team. Like two weeks later. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. But you know what, though? She's got, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. her personal trainer is there. She can afford to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Even I, I'm not even pregnant. I'm like, damn. She has a better body than me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. This was so great. Thank you. This project made me think about motherhood in a way that I haven't thought about in a while. I think a lot of us are so involved in our day-to-day routine, you know, including myself. I'm very guilty of that, that we forget to check in with the mothers in our lives. Mother's Day is around the corner. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, new moms, single moms, moms that have lost a child, those who have lost mothers, mothers with strained relationships and vice versa, and those who are yearning to be mothers. I am thinking of you. Happy Mother's Day, and I hope you celebrate in a way that sparks joy. I'm your host, Salam Fatayed. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer. Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you for our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics and our wonderful logo is made by Aaron Bagada. Our community engagement manager is Maddie Reardon. And Dan Ryder handles our social media accounts. And a big special thank you to our city-loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Monday for our next episode.